What's up, North Cape? Yeah. Woo. You know, Larry just did uh, Generous Living Time, and he left a puddle here. So I'm going to do my best not to fall and, and break my neck. So, hey, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we are going through uh, Believe. Maybe you've been joining us this whole year. Maybe this is your first time. We've been going through this book all year long. We are in part three. I think this is week like 23. The year is over, guys. Pumpkin spice lattes are coming back. Oh, okay. I'm already, I, got, I got my Christmas tree already unlocked, so... It's that time of the year. If you haven't gotten your book yet, you can pick it up for free out there in the lobby. Uh, If you want to get one for a friend, it's only $5. But this third part that we're talking about, believe, we're calling it heart check. It's about who we are becoming. So we're taking a look at the fruit of the spirit. And I cannot think of a better intro than what we just got to celebrate right now, than baptism, the transformational work that God is doing in our lives. Yeah. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's the transformational work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. You don't try to become love. You don't try to become patience or peace. You follow the Holy Spirit, and then he starts to do that transformation in your work that you become love, that you find true peace in him. So today, we're talking about peace. I'm very excited about that. I'm more excited because Larry ended up talking about it about four weeks ago. He took everything I was going to say. Uh, So I thought it'd be great if we just watched that message from four weeks ago. So we have it up here. I'm just kidding. No, it was great. If you missed that message, it was during our Summer Soundtrack series. He was doing the hymn, It Is Well. So if you missed that message, go back on our YouTube page, check it out. You can go through the app and find the way uh, to get there in the media uh, little button right there. So make sure you check that one out. But today, like I said, we're talking about peace. Now, because Larry talked about it a few weeks ago, I had the fun challenge to try to think of something else. And the cool thing about these words that are the fruit of the Spirit, you really can talk about them for weeks and weeks. You can do a whole year on love, and you still won't break down really the depths of God's love for you. So there's plenty to be said about peace. And today, we get to dive into that. And I hope it's a little something different, maybe something you haven't thought about before. I might step on some toes today, but hang with me. Don't tune me out so quickly if I offend you. Stick with me till the end. So I think the world right now, we can look around and we can see, we, you know, we really do need peace. I think that's something that we can all agree on. Um, what's the most peaceful place to you? Someone say conquered? <laughs> I swear I heard conquered. For me, the most peaceful place is uh, the beach. Yeah, the beach. Uh, when I lived in Santa Rosa, there was about a year period where I would uh, drive to Bodega Bay and just watch the sunset every Monday night. It was beautiful. It was like 40 minutes away. It was amazing to do that. Some people, maybe it's the mountains. Uh, maybe it's like right when it snows, you wake up that next morning, you're out of school. I don't, you guys don't know about that out here in California, but it snows and you get out of school. And as a kid, that's amazing. But then you wake up and you walk outside and there is a quietness unlike anything you'll ever experience in your life. It's so amazing. Maybe peace comes through a childhood home for you, going back through those old doors. Maybe it's a specific song that you hear that just takes you to that place of calm. Whatever that is, I think that as humans, we have been in a search for peace for, since we've been created. We're looking for this utopia, really. You know, Miss America, she wants world peace. <laughs> The hippies wanted it in the 60s. We all want peace. But let me, get, let me paint you a little picture of our world right now. Um, worldwide, globally, 
we are in constant threat of war with America. We read about it in the news constantly. There's wars in the Middle East. There's drug lords in South America. There's warlords in Africa. That's globally, nationally. There are fires that are raging through California. There's school shootings. There's church shootings. There's bombings. And that's national. Personally, there's divorce rate that is still extremely high, broken families. There is still suicide rates that are incredibly high. We are over-medicating because of depression and anxiety, and we just want peace from it all. And I know what you're thinking. I thought this was the young, cool guy. Why is he being such a bummer today? Can we go back to, like, the cowbells at baptism? I'm not trying to bum anybody out today, but I just want you to see that it, it's, it's pretty hard times. I think Shelby said it in his baptism video. We live in a turmoil time. It's a tough time. But it's not just now. The world has always needed peace. While I looked at this word peace, uh, the Latin word pax is where we get our most commonly used word for peace today. So as I was looking up this word and, and I was kind of studying it, something popped up and it's called the Pax Romana. Have you heard of this? Wow, last service they hadn't. This is the intelligence service. You guys know about this? I didn't know about it. The Pax Romana is a 200-year period of peace for Rome. Many of us in high school heard about Julius Caesar, then quickly forgot about Julius Caesar because we didn't want to retain that information after the test. Uh, Julius Caesar, for you educated people who remember this stuff, was assassinated because he became too powerful. And right before he was assassinated, he adopted his grandnephew Octavian to become the next in line to be the ruler of the empire. So the first thing Octavian did as he became the new ruler, the new Caesar, was he went after and killed the three assassinators. When Octavian defeated his main rival, Mark Antony, in the Battle of Actium in 31 BC, peace was restored to the empire. Octavian rose to power known as the bringer of peace. Soon after this, Octavian received the honorific title Augustus. We know him as Caesar Augustus, which means the illustrious one, naming him as unique among all Romans. Check this out. He became known as savior to the empire, bringing peace and salvation. He was called Lord and was worshiped as God on earth. His birth was called good news, his birth was called the gospel, and was celebrated by a 12-day holiday called Advent. Some of you sinners still celebrate Advent to this day. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. I told you, watch out for your toes. Among his titles were Cosmic Savior, Atonement for Rome's Past Sins, Inaugurator of the Golden Age of Peace and Security. He was savior and his kingdom was salvation. I love this quote from him. I found a city of brick and I left it one of marble. Oh, that's beautiful, right? Now, some of you, you're listening to that and you're thinking, hold on one second. That sounds very familiar. That sounds like Isaiah when it's talking about Jesus being born, the prince of peace, wonderful counselor. His kingdom shall know no end. He is God on earth. You want to know the coolest thing? I'm going to nerd out here for a second. This Pax Romana piece was the exact time that Jesus was born and brought into this earth. And it makes you stop and say, hold on, both kings are promising peace, a lasting peace, but it's at the same time. And they could not look any more different. Rome's peace came at the edge of a sword. 
Whereas God's peace, the kingdom of God peace, comes through surrender, through sacrifice. See, Rome's peace was not lasting, and it did not mean peace for anybody that was not Roman. The Jews were not at peace in this time. In fact, all of this stuff in the Pax Romana is beautiful, the way that it sets up everything that happened for Jesus. The whole reason we read in Luke chapter 2 that a census was decreed that all the world should be taxed, that was a part of the Pax Romana because Octavian, Caesar Augustus, needed money to fund his army to keep the peace. Well, for Rome, that is. So he sent out this taxation to get all this money so that he could pay these soldiers. And that's the reason that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem where Jesus would later be born. It all makes sense. And they are right beside each other. It wasn't the kind of thing where you can say, well, Roman peace has been over for a few years now, and I'm kind of bored with the way that was set up. So I guess I'll try Jesus's peace now because it's new when it's fresh. It was the same time. You have to choose. It's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. You have to pick which one you want now. I think the problem with... um, with this peace, the word Pax peace, the definition of that is the absence of conflict. And I think that's the way that a lot of us define peace in our lives, the absence of conflict. So I could only have peace if there is nothing bigger than me, if there is no conflict that I cannot conquer or outrun. But the problem is, what happens when the conflict is bigger than you? Rome was bigger than everybody else. That's why they had lasting peace for 200 years. But then that crumbled and they were no longer the biggest and they got taken over. If you define peace in your life by the absence of conflict, it cannot last. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, what does this kid think he knows about peace? He's barely lived his life. (laughs) Sorry. Um, (laughs) Stick with me, my friends. If you're defining your peace by the absence of conflict, maybe it's because uh, your finances look fantastic right now. You have tons of money, a great job. Maybe your house is right on the waterfront in Benicia, and it's beautiful. What conflict could come here? Maybe you're in great physical condition. You've never been healthier. Maybe your children are like making straight A's, and they're good kids. Wow. Unbelievable. I don't want to be a bummer, but here's the thing. Maybe some of you have seen this. Those things do not last. Relationships break. You disappoint others as well as disappoint yourself. There is sickness, cancer, loss of loved ones. Jobs fall apart. Houses can be lost and sold. Fires, as we've already talked about, can sweep through. If you are outlining your peace by the absence of conflict in your life because you're stronger than everything else that life throws at you, that does not last. And if you're in that moment where it's lasting for you, I really hope it does last for you. I don't wish bad stuff on you. But what we've seen through history, what we've seen, I've seen it in my life, is that those things cannot last. So if that's the peace that the world promises and it doesn't last, then hold on, there were two pieces that we already talked about. What's the other one? What is the kingdom of God piece? We read in John chapter 14. I'm leaving you with a gift. Okay, you got my attention. Um, (laughs) Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I love presents, so this is awesome. God's going to give us a gift, and this gift is peace. 
but it's unlike the world can give. So now, two promises of lasting peace, and they're both so completely different. So let's dive into this other peace. Let's look at this. So it it says in Romans 5, what is this peace of God? Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight through faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We've been made right because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That is where our peace comes from. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, or maybe you're asking the question, that's really cool. What has Jesus done for me that's going to give me peace? I'm not really following you. That sounds great. Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and, did, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, not for ours. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. There's another word for peace. Uh, And we find it all throughout the Bible. That word is shalom. Maybe you've heard this is the Hebrew word for peace. Now, this word for peace does not mean the absence of conflict. Shalom is wholeness, completeness in the midst of conflict. No matter what your life is throwing at you, it's a state of being. It's not determined by your external situation. It's who you are no matter the external situation. So God is promising a lasting peace, a lasting shalom, a state of wholeness, of completeness, that it doesn't matter what the world throws at you because that's not where you define your peace anyway. Our peace is defined by a right relationship with God being made whole. You could use the the image of of a perfect brick wall that has no missing bricks, it has no cracks in it, it is perfect. That is shalom. Another way to look at it is looking at the creation account in Genesis 1, 2. What we see from that is God created the world and he made it perfect. There were no mistakes. Humanity was flawless. We had a relationship with God, a conversational relationship with him. This is the way he intended it to be. And God himself is the one who defined right or wrong, not us, because we're not God. We don't have the power to define right and wrong. We can look at our world right now because we are defining what is right and wrong, and now look at everything that's gray. Some of us don't have peace in our lives because people are defining right and wrong differently than us, and we're in conflict. Do you see how you can't have peace when we are our own gods? So we rebelled against God. We turned our backs on him because we wanted to be God. We wanted to define what is right and wrong. And because of that sin, because of that rebellion, the relationship with God became broken. But God did not leave us that way. You see, we read in Romans that the penalty for sin is death. The way for us to have peace with God, the way to be made right with God again, is through death, the shedding of blood, forgiveness of sins. But Jesus Christ, our Savior, said, you know what? I'm not going to leave them lost. I'm going to do what they cannot do. I'm going to step down to this earth, and I'm going to take their sin. I'm going to take their mistakes. I'm going to take that yucky stuff about them, and I'm going to pay the price for them, and I'm going to make them right with you, and I'm going to give them a lasting peace. Our peace came from him. He did the work for us. It wasn't anything that we could do. So then we don't have to be afraid to lose it. 
It doesn't have anything to do with your external situation. It's your internal state of being because of what God has done for you. That is true peace. And some of you today, you're sitting here, and that is just news to you. You, You've been looking for peace on your own out there, and you're tired. You're exhausted. You've tried your best to find it, and it only leaves you broken and empty. Maybe you, you found your peace in your possessions. You had a boat. You had five cars. You had a nice house, and then you lost it because you couldn't control your situation. Maybe you're trying to find peace through relationships. I have all the friends. I remember when Facebook came out, it was like, I'm going to have more friends than anybody else. That's how I'm going to be known on Facebook. So you just add everybody, and it doesn't even matter if you know them or not. But that doesn't leave you, give you peace. I, I talked to a guy to, uh, the other day about that, because then you have to go through, like, this isn't bringing me peace. Now I need to delete my Facebook, because it just takes time away from me. You cannot find lasting peace in what the world has to offer. It's only through a right relationship with God. And that might be your next step today. We've already celebrated next steps through baptism. We're a church about next steps. It's not just enough for you to come here on Sunday. That does not do it. It's about a walking with God. It's a relationship that carries out through the week. So I'm here to challenge you to take next steps in that faith. Maybe your next step is to say, you know what, God, I need to surrender to you. I need to turn my life over to you because I want the peace that only you can provide. And if that's you, don't wait. (laughs) It is here for us today, and it's a gift. It's so easy. But some of you may be sitting out here, and you're saying, you know what? I've got that already. Checked that box. I'm in church, aren't I? I'm a Christian. Give me something I can do during the week. I got some uh, thoughts that I want to share with you about peace. So maybe uh, for those of you who already have this right relationship with God, you already are, are abiding in him, you're surrendered to him, I got some stuff I want to share with you that I've seen about peace in my life. Now, I have to be careful. Peace is a tricky thing to talk about. You can't put peace in a box. And maybe if you've sought peace, you understand this. I can't promise you that you're going to have peace if you do this, 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 and this. Because the times that I've had peace, it's all been different times. Sometimes I didn't even want it, and I got it. Sometimes I tried to get it, and I didn't get it. So peace is a tricky thing. So what I'm actually giving you is not points about peace. I'm going to give you takeaway truths that I've learned about peace. And I hope that I can encourage you as you're looking through your life, as you're kind of filtering through and saying, you know, where do I need peace? Where where am I missing peace in my life? Where have I seen peace that God has delivered over the years in my life? So The first thing that I want to show you that I have learned about peace is that peace does not always make sense. It doesn't. Every time I try to talk about peace with people, I always come back to this sentence right here. And I try to encourage them, and then I say, oh, what do I know? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. We read in Philippians. Philippians 4, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead... Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. The King James Version of it says the peace that passes understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In the church, I think we've done peace a disservice in the sense that it's kind of a buzzword that we throw out there for people who might be struggling with depression or anxiety or just really loss in general. And they come here and they need help and they need comfort. They need peace. And we just say, oh, well, you know, don't worry about anything. Just pray. God's going to give you peace. There you go. I did my job as a Christian. 
But it's so much bigger than that. And really, it doesn't make sense, because a lot of times I think we, we think we get to choose peace, and we, and we encourage people, hey, you should choose peace in your life. It's not going to come free. You've got to choose it. But, but it's not. It's a gift from God. We already talked about that. It, God gives it to us. And it's not something that you chase down. It's about having a relationship with God. As we talked about in Galatians, the, the fruit of the Spirit passage, you don't try to be peace. The only command in that passage is to walk in the Spirit. And as you're developing this relationship with God, as he is doing his process of his transformational work in you, your life starts to get peaceful. You start to become loving to other people. Let me give you a story of how this relates. When I was 16 years old, um, I lost one of my best friends. He was in a four-wheeling accident. And uh, I'll never forget that night that I found out. I was in church. It was a Wednesday night. I'm a really good Christian, so I went to church on Wednesday night. And I, I had a flip phone back then. You guys remember those? Yeah, those dinosaurs. I had one of those in my pocket, and I was a really good Christian because I didn't take it out at all. Like, it was blowing up that night, and I thought I was the coolest person on the planet. My phone would not stop ringing. I was like, calm down, guys. I'll get up with you when I get a chance. I'm busy praising God and all. I don't have time for your problems. So I came out of the church, and uh, that's when I checked my phone. And I don't know if you've been in a situation like this where you've, you've lost somebody or you've received life-altering news. It takes a while for reality to catch up. I walked out, and I swear the world was moving in slow motion that night. And uh, my, my buddy Josh, he had been a part of this church, him and his family, before we had gotten there. So people knew who he was. So I'm walking out of the church, and, and I see people crying over here, and I see people over here being consoled and comforted, and everything is moving in slow motion. And I have no idea what is going on. I'm not crying. I'm so confused and numb. And, and I was like, what is happening? I'm 16. I don't know what any of this is. And then it hit me at the moment where my pastor just out of nowhere just comes and grabs me and gives me a big hug. And that's where it hit me. And I was like, oh, this is real. Oh, my goodness. And I forget that night. I had two really great friends at that church. And we just sat against our cars in the parking lot for hours. We didn't say a word. Just in tears. And then, you know, tears the whole night. You go to school the next day. And my guidance counselor uh, called for me to come to the office first thing in the morning. He says, send me John White. So I get in there. And he says, are you okay? I thought about you all night. I waited for you to get here. Now you're here. What, what do you need? What can I do for you? And I remember telling him, you know, I, I'm crying my eyes out. But I tell him, I'm okay. I'm at peace. And that is the weirdest thing, to feel peace when your world is completely wrecked. And I remember telling a friend, I said, I feel like a psychopath. To be able to say, I have peace in this. Like, it, it, it's weird. You, you want the peace. If you, when you go through pain, you want peace. But then when you get it, it's almost, it feels wrong that you have the peace of God. Like, why? okay, why do I feel okay right now? I shouldn't be okay. I should be destroyed by this. And in a way, it was a completely life-changing situation for me. But it was the peace of God. It was the gift that he just dropped in my lap. I didn't ask for it. I didn't even know I needed it like that at the time. But he gave it to me freely. I can't even say that I was walking with God in step with him. I was 16. I was an idiot. But here's the thing. I was in that relationship with God. He does the transformational work, not us. Maybe, maybe I was walking with God. I just felt like he was a mile ahead of me at the time. But he was with me. And he was doing his work in me. 
You see, it's not about what life throws at you that you find your peace in. It's what God is doing in you because you have a relationship with him. That's where your peace comes from. That's the peace that will never be taken away from you because you didn't do anything to get it. God's the one who does it for you. That's my first thing. Peace does not always make sense. The second thing, peace is not always easy. It's not. John chapter 16 says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That's some good news right there. In this life, you're going to have trouble, trials, sorrows. You're going to lose your job. There's going to be loss of loved ones. You might get sick. There's going to be pain on some level in your life. But take heart because he's overcome the world. Let's come full circle here. The peace that Rome offered, this Pax peace, is only found, this absence of conflict peace can only be found if you're the strongest in the room. If nothing can take away your peace because you're the strongest. Shalom peace is the same thing. You're putting your faith on the person who's the strongest in the room. That peace can never be taken. There's nothing life is going to be able to throw at you that can take your peace. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you don't have to be afraid. You can sit at a table across from your enemies and not have to be worried because the God who has overcome the world is the one who determines your peace, not you. That is lasting peace. Peace also comes through surrender. Same verse, John chapter 16. I've told you this, all this so that you may have peace in me. It's abiding, it's surrendering in him. That's where your peace comes from. So today, like I said, we're all about next steps here. What is your next step? Maybe for you, it's just that first initial surrender. You're saying, I don't have that relationship with God. I'm trying to go at myself. I'm trying to get peace. I'm trying to find joy and love and meaning on my own, and I am left without it. It's like sand slipping through my hands. Today is the day. What are you waiting for? We, it, it's lasting peace. It doesn't matter how much yoga you do or meditation or, or medication that you take, there is nothing like God's peace. That could be what you need to do today. That might be your next step. There's gonna be prayer partners up here in a few minutes as we close this service out. Come talk to us. We wanna talk about this with you. But maybe, maybe the next step for you, and this is where it's gonna get a little uncomfortable for some of you, because it's uncomfortable for me as I talk about it. I think um, we define surrender incorrectly sometimes in our own lives. I know that I do. I think we think we surrender when we give to God, but we're not actually relying on God. See, there is a difference in just surrendering to find peace in God and actually relying on God to where you find peace in God. Maybe you're sitting here and you give your 10%, you tithe, that's incredible. Maybe you're sitting here, you serve, you're in children's ministry or you're a greeter. And we love that. We need you guys. It's amazing. Maybe you host a community group. Maybe you've gone through Rooted. Maybe you're an even better Christian and you teach Northgate U. Good for you guys. And you might be sitting here and you're thinking, I don't have peace right now. And I'm doing all of that. So why do I still not have peace? Here's the thing. If you're not relying on God, you can do all of that stuff, but it's not going to bring you peace. (laughs) Maybe... 
10% of your income is not relying on God for giving. I believe that you can give, some of us, I believe some of us, 10%, 15% is not relying on God. I also believe 5% for some of us might actually be relying on God. We live in California for crying out loud. <laughs> but I think in my own life, I don't think 10% is relying on God. So for me to give and to check that box and say, I'm abiding in God, I'm giving, I'm relying on him. Uh, am I? Maybe you're hosting a community group, but you're not relying on God because you're saying, well, I went to Bible college. I know the Bible pretty well, and I'm a people person, so it's just pretty easy for me. But I would never go through Rooted because that's too deep for me. I, don't, I like to control the situation. And Rooted, you can't control it. You mean I have to pray for 45 minutes in Rooted? There's a prayer experience? No, 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 I'm out of that. If you're not relying on God, you haven't really surrendered. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I do have peace in certain areas, but I do not have peace in every area of my life. And here's the thing. It also is about doing it every day. It's a daily surrender. You can't just walk in there and say, I've surrendered and I'm done. Because then the next week you get a new bill and you're like, well, God, you did not do your end of this. So I'm going to take finances back off your plate. Maybe you've got a little too much on your plate this week, God. Let me take that one off. I'll handle it. Where do you need to rely on God? Maybe that's your next step here. Uh, and I'll, I'll close with this encouragement right here. The early church, you can read about them in the book of Acts. It's so interesting. They were under persecution of this Roman Empire. And Paul would write a lot of uh, greetings. The New Testament, Paul was, uh, wrote most of the New Testament, and most of it is made up of letters that he would write to these churches that were under persecution. He was encouraging them. So he would write a greeting, grace and peace. Clearly he's not writing, I hope you don't have any conflict today. I know some of you are being killed and you have nothing and you're in hiding, but stay away from that conflict to find your peace. It's a wholeness, it's a completeness, it's a relationship with God. That's the peace that he's wishing on them. Find your identity in him. And what you read about the early church in Acts is that they would sell property and give the money away. They would sell their possessions. They would open their homes for people and they never had need. I love that. Go read Acts and, and see that. They never had need. It's not that they were incredibly wealthy people. There's no way they had more money than most of us do in the Bay Area of, of America. Come on. We're so lucky and blessed. What's your next step today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness. God, thank you so much that it's not about us that you offer us a free gift of life in you and peace and fulfillment and meaning that is lasting. So God, I pray that we truly do surrender and live with humility and open hands and let you do your transformational work in us. God, I pray for us who have been challenged, who uh, need to take next steps. And maybe it's different for each one of us. God, make us brave. Don't let us push this off or shrug it off, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.